0: Man. Amen. Amen. He, he does, doesn't he? Doesn't he make beautiful things out of the mess we, we hand to him? Uh, Maple Grove, welcome to, to week seven of our message series, Identity, The Grove, Who We Are. Since January the 12th, we have been defining and refining. We've been, we've been shaping and sharpening. We've been renewing and refreshing. We've been correcting and aligning our focus on our vision why we're here, following Christ and life-changing community, and and on our mission, how we get it done. Like, Like Jesus, we seek the lost, we make disciples, and we show compassion. But listen, not only have we been defining and refining and Sharpening and shaping our vision and our mission, but we have also been developing and installing a set of core values uh, that are becoming our new internal operating system, MG201.4, all right? I mean, we're downloading that sucker into us right now. And our core values are, our number one core value is we, what, we, and say it with me, right? We honor biblical authority. Core value number two, we depend on God. Core value number three, we do life together. Core value number four, we engage our culture in relevant ways. And, and, and listen, um, one, one of the reasons we're, we're having a, a baptism Sunday next week during our all-in one service, and just a reminder, you know, next week we're having one service at 1030 a.m. First service is going to join us, so the place will be kind of packed, get here early, but, you know, we're going to come, you know, one church, one commitment. You know, we can fit in the room right now. Next year I don't think we will be able to, but we all can be in here as together, as we together commit together to, these, to, the, to our vision, to our, our mission, and to our core values. This is going to be an incredible, incredible week. Uh, if you can be there at 6 p.m. on Saturday night, we're going to pray uh, for this coming weekend. Because, you see, you see uh, we don't want this just to be something to stick on our t-shirt, Right? A tagline on our website. Well, here's our, well, yeah, we have a vision. It's on our coffee mug. You didn't get, oh, wow, some of the letters were off. But yeah, we do have one. No, we want this to be who we are. And we're going to commit to it together. We're going to pray for it Saturday night. 9.30, 9.30, right, there's no first service, but 9.30, we're going to meet and we're going to pray for next week's service, that God makes it, you know, a defining moment that we'll look back on and say, you know what, I remember, man, March 2nd blew my mind, and God started doing some incredible things in and among us. And the reason I decided to make baptism Sunday a part of that is because baptism aligns perfectly with our vision, mission, and core values. Uh, again, what is our vision statement? Following Christ in life-changing community. So, so, our vision is to is to follow Christ. Is to is to do what what Jesus did. Well, was Jesus ever baptized? Absolutely, right. We read about it in, in the first three Gospels. John is out there, you know, eating you know eating his wild locusts, you know, eating his locusts and 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 drinking his wild honey to help the locusts go down, and you know, wearing his clothes made out of camel hair and. People are flocking out to see him, and John is preaching the word, telling people, you need to repent, you need to change your ways and be baptized because the kingdom of God is near. And well, one day Jesus shows up at the Jordan River and John to be baptized. John's like, No way, <laughs> no way, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus said this, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And, and by the way, every time in the New Testament, when, when you see the word baptized, every single time. You know, it is the Greek word "baptizo," you know, which means the following. Is it going to pop up? There it is. Okay, definition: to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge. I was a submariner. I understand. Important to being submerged. Okay, to cleanse by dripping or submerging, to wash to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, to overwhelm. So every time you see the word, it is always the word for immersion, okay? Okay, so our vision statement is following Christ in life-changing community. And and Paul in, in Romans 6 talks about the incredible life change that happens when you and I were baptized in Romans 6. Here's what Paul says. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Jesus, we're baptized into His death. Uh, we were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may what live a new life. We're buried with Christ, and we rise up to live a new life. And a central part of our mission statement it is that we make disciples and Jesus talked about that before he went back home to the Father in, in Matthew chapter 28. He, he meets his guys by the mountains of Galilee and he looks them square in the eye and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So you better sit up and listen to what I'm about to say. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So so you've got to make disciples, and here's how you do it. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that, I mentioned it before, you know, that, that phrase, in the name of, was a term used in the Greek marketplace for a transfer of ownership, like signing a car title. And see, when I was baptized in Christ, guess who owns my life? Not Steve, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And then when you, when you look at the early church, you know what you see them doing? As you look at the book of Acts, you see them making disciples, you, and you see them what? You see them baptizing and teaching. In Acts 2.38, after pre- Peter preaches the first gospel sermon, here's what Peter says. looks at a crowd in the thousands. Repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for what? For forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's that new birth John talked about, or rather Jesus talked about in John 3, that involved we're born of the water and of the Spirit. And then we read that day in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Totally ran out of baptism robes that day, right? It was chaos. All right? And then as you track the book of Acts, right? Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were what? They were baptized, both men and women. A little later on in Acts chapter 8, Philip is talking to an Ethiopian eunuch. he just come back from Jerusalem. He's reading his Bible. He just downloaded you version, right? He's reading Isaiah, he, Isaiah 53. He, I don't know what he's talking about. Is, is Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? Well, Philip comes along and says, hey, he's talking about Jesus. You mind if I share the gospel? He shares the gospel. We don't know what he told him, but here's what we do know. that as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot stopped, stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. Acts 18, verse 8, another one. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. You see, as you look at the book of Acts, you know what you see? You see that, that, that uh, hearing the message and, and believing in Jesus and being baptized into Jesus, they're like married. They're like linked together. So, you know, why, you know, why have a baptism Sunday? Well, why, why do we practice baptism at Maple Grove? Why is it such a big deal to us? Because according to this book, which core value number one says is our highest authority, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a big deal to God. That, that's, that's why we do it. I mean, Peter went as far as to say in 1 Peter ch- chapter 1 verse, ch- 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21. He's talking about how the... You know, days of Noah, right? Move coming out. Russell Crowe probably won't be much like the Bible, right? Uh, but just coming out. And, and, and I like Russell Crowe, Gladiator, or Unite Entertain, right? So so he's talking about the floodwaters of uh, 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 back in, in Genesis and, and how the world, how Noah and his family were saved, right? Through the water and through getting in the ark. And then he says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now what? That now saves you also. Then he says this. Not the removal of dirt from the body. It's not like magic in the water. But in your baptism, you're making a pledge to God. You're pledging your conscience to God. You're marrying God. You're joining with God. And it saves you by what? What gives it its power? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's just, like, just like Noah's family went into the ark and was saved, we move into Christ and we are saved. And so next week, you know, what we're having, you know, we're having a baptism Sunday. You can do it today. It's warm. We had a pump blowout last week. It's nice and warm and ready to go. Every day is baptism day, right? It doesn't have to be a Sunday, but we are doing it next week. And if you, if you believe in Jesus and you love him and you've not yet been buried with him in baptism, I'm going to ask the same question that one guy named Ananias asked Paul about uh, three days after Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Here, here's what he asked Paul, this simple question. And now, What are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. Wash away your sins. Calling on his name. So pray about it. Think about it. I I got a study sheet back there. I'd love to talk to you about it. I've already got an email from a couple people who want to be uh, baptized into Christ next week. But again, I encourage you to do that. It's an awesome thing, man. It's an incredible thing. Now, I'm watching uh, uh, Bob and Chris up here in the front row, you know, who, who are baptized on a Christmas service. You know, they're nodding the whole time. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Found out about it. Didn't do it. I'm going to do it. It's awesome. I love it, right? Would highly recommend it, right? <laughs> okay, you guys are like Jessica, man. I need, need to pay you guys. Okay. I love you, Jessica. Wow. Joy is a good thing, isn't it? Okay, this week we're rolling out the Grove's number five core value. We practice excellence and faithful stewardship. And I got to tell you, I I spent hours this week thinking about, okay, what do those words mean? What do they literally mean? These words that God led us to write down back in November, what do they actually mean? We practice excellence and faithful stewardship. Okay, let's do this and and let's pray open palm. Uh, Father God, we love you and God, we need you. Um, you're a, a most excellent God. And, and God, you've done more for us than we could even imagine or contemplate. And God, I pray this morning you'd open our eyes that we would hear, and that we would see, and that our hearts would be open. God, that we would, we would always strive to do our best for you, to give our best to you, God. God, I pray today that something changes in us because of some truth that comes out from your word. God, enable me to speak your word in the way that you want it to be spoken, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We practice excellence and faithful stewardship. First word is we. And I got to thinking this week, you know, that word we is like everywhere in our vision, mission, and core values, right? Every core value starts with the word we. And our mission statement, You know, right? Like Jesus, we. You know, we seek the loss. We make disciples. We show compassion. We seek. We make. We show. The word we's everywhere. And I got to think, you know what? It's I think it may just be the most important word in all of our vision, mission, and core values. You see, it's it's not a you thing, it's not a me thing. It's not an elder thing. It is a we thing. We means us. It means all of us, together, the leaders, the people, everybody who calls this church their home. It's a we thing. We practice. What does practice mean? It means to do something regularly or constantly as an ordinary part of your life. It means to do something habitually or as a practice. It means to perform, to follow, to observe, to pursue, to work at. Okay, in light of that definition, you know, what is it that we perform, observe, pursue, follow, work at, and do regularly and habitually as a part of our everyday lives and in part of our church life? We practice excellence and faithful stewardship. Now, when you hear those words, excellence and faithful stewardship, what thoughts come into your mind? And do you actually like the thoughts that are in your mind? (laughs) What do these terms actually mean? Does excellence and faithful stewardship, do they matter? I, I, I mean, how do they make the cut? We only have five core values. I mean, there's a lot of other awesome things. How did, why do these guys make the cut and actually wind up in our core values? Does God care about excellence and faithful stewardship? And again, I, I logged in a lot of our this, hours this week just thinking about those words and this core value. We practice excellence and faithful stewardship. And you know what? When I pulled it all down, when you know, I, I finally landed the plane, here are the two thoughts my wheels touched down on. Here's the bottom line that I came up with, at least as far as I see it. Excellence is about doing our best for God. And faithful stewardship is about giving our best to God. And again, a question that maybe some people are asking or thinking is, does excellence matter to God? Does does God care about quality? Is he concerned about how well things are done? I mean, does it make any difference to God whether the grass has been cut, the bathrooms are clean? Does it make any difference to God whether those who are part of the worship team have tuned their instruments and have practiced and rehearsed? Uh, does it make any difference to God whether or not those who are teaching our children's ministry are prepared, positive, and on time? Does, does it make any difference to God that, uh, that, that those of us who in this room a little while ago and we stood and we worshiped the King of glory, does it matter to God whether we worship Him at our best or not? Does it matter to God whether I put time in, into my message? Does it matter to God whether or not that those who greet people walking in actually smile and act and feel look like they're generally glad to see you now some would say no not really because all God cares about is the heart he's not impressed with slick programs and flashy audio visuals no what matters to God are internal things like love compassion and humility and I would say that's true God is primarily concerned with our hearts but God also cares about those other things because they are an expression of our heart understand, Maple Grove, and that would be me and you. Understand, the way we serve God in the church, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families, the the way we live out our faith, the level of commitment we have to doing things well to honoring God in every area of our lives reveals, number one, what is in our hearts, and number two, how much we really do value our God. Here, Here are a few foundational scriptures about excellence. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When I do it, I sign my name to it. You might as well just think that Jesus did it. The conversation we just had together, that was me, that was Jesus talking to you right there. In all the work you are doing, work the best you can. Work as if you're doing it for the Lord, not for people, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, we read this, whatever, you, whatever work you do, do your best because you're going to the grave where there's no working, no planning, no knowledge, and no wisdom. Do your best now. Whatever you do, do your best. Okay, why does excellence matter? And I want to talk about several reasons why I think excellence matters. Number one, excellence honors God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2, we find King Solomon. He's making preparation to, to build God's temple. And first he gathers together 70,000 men. That's like a football stadium full. He gathers 70,000 men to carry in the finest building materials available. He buys cedars from Lebanon and gold and silver and bronze and blue yarn. And then he drafts 80,000 men to be stone cutters to go out into the area surrounding Jerusalem to find stones for the foundation of the temple. And then he, then he sends off letters to kings of other nations and say, hey, I want to form a team of the finest craftsmen in the world because I'm doing something really important. You see, Solomon spared no expense as he prepares to construct God's temple. And when we come to Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5. Here's what he says. I love this. The temple I'm going to build will be great because our God is greater than all other gods. In other words, my God deserves the best because my God is the best. This temple is going to be the greatest because my God, not Muhammad Ali, right, is the greatest. My God is the greatest. And as we continue in that chapter, Solomon finds himself in a predicament. He he has this question. He says this, you know, who is able to build a temple for him? Since the heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain him. Who then am I to build a temple for him, except as a place to burn sacrifices before Him? You see, Solomon knows deep down in his heart that even even his best effort, even his most excellent effort will not even come close to capturing the greatness of his God. But he did not let that stop him. He did not let that stop him because we find out he writes a letter to the king of Tyre saying this, send me therefore... A man skilled to work in gold and silver and bronze and iron and purple and crimson and blue yarn. And experience in the art of engraving. Send me also cedar and pine and and algal logs from Lebanon. For I know that your men are skilled in cutting lumber there. My men will work with yours to provide me with plenty of lumber. Because the temple I build must be large and magnificent. Why? Because my God is large and magnificent. Excellence matters because excellence honors our God. And our God deserves our honor. Now, David wrote a psalm shortly after, after bringing the ark back to the city, and here's some of the words of it in Psalm 96. Great is the Lord, He's most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord make the heavens. Honor and majesty surround them. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offerings and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him Tell all nations the Lord reigns. And there's a song going on right now in heaven, according to John. And John says in Revelation chapter 5, Then I look and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. That's like a lot of zeros. And, and they encircled the throne. And the, living, and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To see power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amen. They said that I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. And the four living creatures said amen and all the elders fell down and worshiped him. Our God deserves our honor. The lamb who was slain deserves our honor. Next, excellence matters because it underscores value. You see, the, the, there are a lot of things in life that people work at, do their best, and strive for excellence in. Playing sports, playing sports for money and gold medals. Maintaining their lawn, restoring a car, playing an instrument, being physically fit. Uh, they, they strive for excellence and in decorating their homes, building a business, getting an education, cooking a meal, saving and investing. And I'm saying, I, I'm not saying that those things don't have value, but listen, Maple Grove, if, if what we believe is true, if God is who he said he is, if Jesus did what he said he did, If the church really is the hope of the world, if the message we have really is a message that changes the forevers of men and women, then no activity on the planet has as much value as his church. Understand, there is only one cause That is worthy, only one cause on this planet that is worthy of every ounce of our work, devotion, labor, sacrifice, suffering, and dedication. There's only one cause that's worth giving our lives to every day, every day, every day. And that cause is serving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and expanding and advancing his kingdom for his glory. Our bodies will fall apart. Our, our, our perfect lawns will get weeds. The car we restored will break down. Businesses come and go. We're not going to take a dime of our investments and money with us. But God and his kingdom are eternal. And those who serve him will be eternal with him. Get it? Good. Next, excellence matters because excellence inspires people. Understand, when Solomon built God's temple with excellence, he he wanted to attract people to God. He he wanted their hearts to skip a beat. He wanted them to do a double take. He wanted them to taste something of the greatness of God. He wanted them to know, hey, you are in a place that matters because the one for whom it was built matters the most. And when we value excellence, as Solomon did, When we download MG201.4 into our operating systems, it not only makes a statement about the kind of God we worship, but also about the level of commitment we have to this God. When people walk in this campus, we want them to know, you're in a place that matters. Because the one we seek to honor matters. Excellence inspires people. Have you ever walked in a place that practices excellence and you're just inspired? I remember the first time I, I went to a church service at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, a you know, you know, 20,000 member church, and eh, blown away. Blown away from the bathrooms, the people smiling at me, handing me bulletins, blown away at the excellence that everything was done. You know, when I walk into Disney, right? Wow, excellence, right? You get off that train, everything's done with excellence. Chick fil A, right? Excellent, seriously. You know, when I was in Fort Worth visiting my mom one time, I, I, let, I let Walter know about it. I, I'm at this really nice McDonald's near where my brother works and e- eating some food. And, and there's a meeting going on where the regional guy is meeting with like you know, 15 store managers. And I overheard him say over and over again, we can be like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> we can do what they're doing. You know, we can have good, you know. Like, I text Walter, hey, Walter, I'm in Texas. And people are saying, you know. When I walked into a first time, I've only been there once, you know, a, a Ruth Chris steakhouse, I was inspired. And I was hungry, you know. <laughs> excellence inspires people. And, and not just the people who visit, but the people who are part of it. They're like, hey, I'm a part of something that matters. That's something that's just thrown together. It matters. Next, excellence is not perfectionism, there's a difference. And they understand the difference, you know, it's good to contrast the two. Perfectionists value themselves by what they do, pursuers of excellence value themselves by who they are. Uh, Perfectionists get depressed and give up, pursuers of excellence may experience disappointment, but they keep going. Perfectionists are devastated by failure, pursuers of excellence, they learn from failure. Perfectionists remember mistakes, and they dwell on them. Pursuers of excellence correct mistakes, and they learn from that. Perfectionists can only live with, with being number one. Pursuers of excellence are happy with being number two if they know they did their best. Perfectionists hate criticism. Pursuers of excellence welcome criticism. Perfection is fear. Excellence is risk. Perfection is control. Excellence is spontaneous. Perfection is judgment. Excellence is accepting. Per- perfection is taking. Excellence is giving. Perfection is doubt. Excellence is confidence. Perfection is pressure. Excellence is flowing. Perfection is destination. Excellence is a journey. Uh, understand, guys, when we download MG201.4 into our terminal operating system, we're not going to become some, some kind of, everything's got to be perfect, crazy nutcases, all right? We're not going to do that. Oh, you got to be perfect! We're not going to do that. We're not going to be a bunch of nutcases, all right? We're not. We're going to try for excellence, right? But we're not going to be crazy and nutty about it. Does that make sense? Where we're like, oh, it's just a burning. Oh my goodness, the toilet paper's going upside down. The world's coming to an end. <laughs> it's supposed to flip up, not under. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I worked for a pastor that got been on a shape for That, believe it or not. Believe what I tell you. A few quotes about excellence, and we'll move on in perfection. Aristotle, excellence is never an accident. It's always the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent execution. It represents the wise choice of many alternatives. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Next we are what we freely do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit. If I cannot do great things, I will do small things in a great way. Martin Luther King Jr. And then anything worth doing is worth doing right. Leo Malone, that was my dad. That was my dad's philosophy. Uh, when my dad lived in Tampa, and him and my mom, uh, they cleaned our church for 30, their 35 dollars a week. And, and, and my dad, they probably spent 40 hours cleaning it. My dad literally every week spent it was a pretty small church. He spent six hours with a dustbuster on every pew. Every week, I'd be like, "Dad, you got it last week? I't "Stevie, anything worth doing is worth doing right every week." Six hours, right? Because you say, like, this is God's house, and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Okay? Um, excellence is not an, matters because it's not an option. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Understand, if it bears his name, it deserves our best. If it bears his name, it deserves our best. Good enough is not good enough. Right? when it comes to God and His church. And all the work you're doing, work the best you can. Work as if you're doing it for the Lord, not for people. Just your best. Not more than your best, just your best is all He wants. Finally, excellence is not easy. It, it takes hard work. Anybody watch any of the Olympics? I haven't caught a whole bunch of it, but I, I watched some of the, um, of the men and women's uh, slope-style finals of the snowboarding. Here's a picture of the guy that got the gold. You know, um, coat and did you, anybody watch it? this stuff? That was crazy stuff they could do. Do you think that took some hard work? Do you think that took a, like a, a little bit of effort? Absolutely. And, and, and remember, excellence is doing her best. And some people are really, really talented. And they can wing things. But is that really doing their best? It's like, well, I, I can just throw something together. Well, that's about doing our best. You know, everybody, everybody, we all can do that. That's what I like about God. He didn't set something. Well, I, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta run as fast as far as this guy can. No, you, Steve, you just gotta do your best. That's all I want. Nothing more, nothing less. I just want your best. It's not easy. It takes hard work. It takes daily diligence. Uh, imagine this spring. This will never happen to me, but you go crazy and decide to do something to your yard. And I know nothing about yard stuff, other than every now and you got to cut the stuff. If it's green, I cut it, right? You know, but you go crazy. I mean, trimming bushes, mulching, flower beds. You look back and you go, oh, man, Instagram, Facebook. Look at my awesome yard. <laughs> Question, is the job over? <laughs> you've only just begun to weed. <laughs> Lawnmowers and weed eaters. Okay, that was carpenters way back when. Okay, sorry about that. You're visiting. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, it's, isn't it easy kind of start something with excellence? You, know, you jump into that new ministry, new thing for God, and you're just fired up. You're teaching a class the first time. You prepared like ninety-nine hours. Right? Didn't sleep. You had enough material to teach for three years. And now it's like, dang it! It's eight thirty on Sunday. <laughs> You know, it, it takes daily diligence, and it takes it takes honest and regular evaluations, right? And and guys, we're just downloading this thing right now, and you know, and, I, I, I'm sitting all over. I go, oh wow, that's not excellence. <laughs> i like, Dude, excellent alert, excellent alert. You know, but we got to be every ministry. I say, what does excellence look like? What would it look like to be excellent in this thing? You know, get other people's opinions. All right, you know, and and, and uh, so that's why excellence matters, and. And before we move on to the next one, you know, something Bob Russell, again, he's a pastor of Southeast Christian Church Louisville, he said that when, when, you decide, when you download this into your operating system, excellence, he said, you know, there's, it that's two negative consequences. One, he says, get ready for criticism uh, because people will see your commitment as excellence and that those who really like mediocrity are threatened by excellence will say, hey, you guys are just all about the show, all about some big performance. You know, he, says, it's not, and he goes, it's really not about the performance. It's about simply doing our best with what we have in order to accomplish our mission of winning people to Christ. And he says, also, be ready for disappointment because, you know, contrary to what people think, excellence doesn't lead to pride, it leads to humility because you, you fall short of your goals. And he has to constantly remind himself that, you know what, I, I'm chasing after perfection. I will never achieve it. Here's what Vince Lombardi said, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. He said, uh, perfection is not attainable. But if we chase after perfection, we might catch excellence, all right? So excellence matters because it honors God and all the other junk that I said, right? That's why we got notes. We practice faithful stewardship, giving our best to him. Faithful stewardship, giving God our best. What kind of thoughts come in your mind? Are they warm and fuzzy? Are they positive? What is faithful stewardship? Does faithful stewardship matter? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to God? What is faithful stewardship? What is stewardship? The definition is acting as a surrogate for another, especially by managing their property, finances, or resources. What is stewardship? Overseeing or protecting something considered worth caring for and preserving. What is stewardship? Careful management of something entrusted to one's care. And here's what I want to do as, as we talk about this rather quickly, is I want to read a parable Jesus told during the final week of his life about stewardship, and then quickly pull out, here's some truth about stewardship, faithful stewardship from there. And, and, and as, we, as we look at this parable, things we need to keep in mind is that the master in the parable represents Jesus, uh, that the servants in the parable, uh, that they represent us, you and me, you know, and, and what I want you to think about when it talks about God entrusting stuff into our care, I, I want us all to think about things like our time, our abilities, our money, our resources, our opportunities, and our knowledge. All right, so here's this parable of, uh, that Jesus spoke in the final week of his life. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, divided in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money, hid the opportunity, hid the resources, hid the abilities. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used their money, his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, master, you gave me five bags of silver in the vest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The servant received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master was full of praise. What did we here this before? Yeah, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Manasseh replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant And give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's pretty strong. Did it suddenly get hot in here? Wow. Some serious stuff, Jesus. Here's some quick truths here that that we really need to get. And we's me too, right? Number one, God owns everything. He called his servants together and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Listen, the only reason that you and I have time, the only reason that we have talents and abilities and resources and opportunities is because God has given those to us. God owns everything. God owns everything. Everything, everyone and everything, okay? Number two is God has entrusted some of his stuff to us. We are managers, not owners. We own nothing. I own nothing. You own nothing. Randy Alcorn puts it this way. A steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out what the owner wants. What do you want, Done? Then carry out his will. Okay? Third truth. Told you I'd rock it. Okay? Uh, God has given each of us different gifts, different stuff. Right? I mean, they didn't get the same stuff. One guy got five. One guy got two. One guy got one. You know, it really, except for time, you know, we, we don't have the same stuff, do we? We don't have the same talents, the same abilities, the same opportunities, the same resources. All right? But, but again, faithful stewardship is about giving God our best, right? We all can do that. matter what we have, we can, we can give our best. Next, truth we see, that God is returning to settle accounts. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account. The dreaded A word, accountability. Now, we don't really like that word a whole lot in our country. I mean, think about it. What do we have in our country? Do we have a bill of responsibilities or a bill of rights? We have a bill of rights. And 2014 is an election year. And usually the guy who wins is not the guy who talks about personal responsibility and accountability, is it? No, it's the guy who talks about rights and all the stuff that he's going to give to you. But as you read this parable, you can see that, 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 that Jesus said, you know what? When it comes to accountability, God is pretty okay with it. God is actually pretty big on accountability, You see, there will be a day, and and this is true, and this is why I got to talk about it, you know, for me and for you. I mean, there's a day when I'm going to stand before God, the creator of the universe, and I I can't, I I can't con him, I can't fool him, I can't trick him, I can't finagle him, I can't throw out some fancy words to him, right, that I learned in Bible college that I can't pronounce, right? I can't do that. He's going to look me dead in the eye and say, Steve, I gave you time, I gave you talents, I gave you abilities, I gave you resources, what did you do with them? And yes, Steve, I, I did want you to use them to provide for your family, but primarily, Steve, I wanted you to use those things to leverage your abilities and your talents and your resources for me and my glory, for me and my kingdom. What did you do with them, guys? Knowing that one day we're gonna, we will stand before Him. If it doesn't scare us, it should at least motivate us, right? Like, well, oh, I want to get ready. You see, guys, I, I, I want to get you guys ready as your pastor. You know, it would be pastor malpractice not to get you ready where you're like, hey, I never knew I was going to. Guess what? You're going to stand. Everybody in this room, you're going to stand before the king of the universe. Every one of us will. And, and we're going to give an account, right? We're going to. And it's about, I, I, want us to, I want us to be ready for that audit. Next, God expects our best. Just our best, right? He didn't go to the two-talent guy. Hey, you only gave me two talents. One not five? This guy got, no, he says, no. you only of our best. I love that about God. You know, I don't have to do more than my best. I just got to do my best, and everybody can do their best. Does that make sense? I like that about God. That'd be rough, wouldn't it? You're a one-talent guy, and you got to do five talents, and God's not satisfied. Sorry, not enough. I'm doing my best, sorry. God, all I can get is a C. Sorry, I want an A. Well, I'm only a C person. I don't care. You need to get an A. God's not that way. And then He says to the one guy who didn't do his best, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew a harvest, crossing and plant, cultivate crossing and coffee, why didn't you deposit money in the bank? And at least I could have gotten some interest. Hey, do you God expects our best? You remember Solomon? I kind of talked about that. How it's got to be great. It's got to be magnificent because my God is great. Well, you fast forward 500 years, the attitude had changed a lot. People weren't giving God their best anymore. Matter of fact, they were giving God the very least. The last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi says that when people, you know, it's church time, basically, and, and it's time to go to church. Hey, where's, where's dad? Well, he's out in the sheep pen. And dad's back in the corner, and back in the corner is Molly, and Molly's, Wool's all matted, and she's crippled and blind. And That's Molly. Sorry, Molly. Okay, she's crippled, and she's crippled, and she's blind. She can barely. Okay, someone doesn't want you to hear this. I'm not, I definitely don't think it's God, okay? And Molly's in the corner, and Dad's in there. She's crippled. She's blind. She's got maybe an hour left of life in her. Dad, why are you Molly? Well, we're going to church. We're taking an offering to God. And they bring it in. And so the prophet Malachi spoke for God. And Malachi 1 6 says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where's the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? This is God talking. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice, a crippled or diseased animal is that not wrong try offering them to your governor would he be pleased with you would he accept you and then he, god says this this is god talking in verse 10 oh that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar i'm not pleased with you he said yeah you should have stayed home If you're giving me something less than your best, I just want your best, but I'm not a Goodwill box in the parking lot of a Kmart. That you got some junk you want to get rid of and you don't want to go to the dump, so you just dump it by the Goodwill box. God says, That's not me. I don't want your leftovers. I don't want your scraps. I just want your best. Nothing more than your best. I just want your best. And then he says this Curses a cheat who has an acceptable Sacrifice. He couldn't do it if he wanted to. Uh, but then he sacrificed a blemish animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. God wants and expects our best. He does. You know, and, and, and if this makes you uncomfortable for a little bit, I'm kind of okay I really am because I want to prepare all of us. And and, and I know statistically, right, we know that the average American gets 2.2% of his income away to charity. The average evangelical, that's one who says, hey, I'm a blood-bought believer. I believe this book gets 2.6%. I don't know if that's their best. You know what your best is. I don't. I'm I'm, I'm not here to get in your business. God already knows, right? He knows if we're giving our best. And he says, I just want your best. You know that guy, Jesus, that I sent? I, I didn't send you leftovers. I, I didn't go into some far corner of the world and find some disease crippled person that had no value. I, I actually gave you my best, the best that I had. I gave you Jesus. And I just, am I not worth your best? And why this is so important is because how we invest matters in the end. I mean, this, Jesus told this person. This is not, I didn't. Write the parable. It matters in the end, and for some there will be punishment and penalties. Take the money that he has, give it to somebody else, and throw them out where there's gnashing of teeth in the outer darkness. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, what is that, what isn't, were they saved, were they not saved? I think we all agree. Whatever it is, it don't sound like a good time. Whatever it is, I don't want it. I'm not putting it out on my plate at a debauched grill, all right? I'm passing that sucker by, right? We all can agree on that, that we don't want that. We, we don't want punishment and penalties. Well, You know what we want? We want a great reward. And, and, and Paul said this, you know, in, in all the work you're doing, work the best you can. Work as if you're doing it for the Lord, not for people, since you know. You know, sometimes at work, you can work hard and it may not pay off. You may work hard and not get a raise. You may work hard and they may fire you, right? You don't know if you're going to get rewarded. God says, man, you work hard for me. You know it. You know you're going to get rewarded. I'm faithful to my promises. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, Paul said. And, and, and 1 Corinthians 15, for you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain not in vain. Giving our best, doing our best leads to a great reward. The reward's twofold and I'm going to rock through this real quick. A twofold reward. First, it's a a mind-blowing reward later. I mean, one day One day, you're going to stand before God. Here's one part of your word. One day, you're going to stand before God. You're going to look the creator of the universe in the eye. He's going to look right at you, right in your eye. You're going to see that gleaming in his eye. You're going to see that expression on his face as he looks at you with such love and compassion. and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done, my sons and daughters. You did it. You did it. You did it. And come enjoy and celebrate my happiness. Enjoy all the joy and celebration I have. Talk about a reward. That's coming. That's coming. That's a reward later that we get to have. But also, also, also part of this reward is what I like to call a a life of amazing awesomeness now. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine the things we will see. Imagine the things we will see. Imagine the lies we will touch and the resources we will unleash on this world for God's glory as we do our best and as we give our best, it's going to blow our minds. I mean, Think about it. Think about this army in this room saying, you know what? No more No! No more going to Kmart and dumping something by the Goodwill box. I'm giving him my best. I'm, uh, I'm doing my best for him. I'm giving my best to him. Can you imagine what's going to happen? And we're going to say, you know what? And the joy we have, hey, I'm part of something that matters. I'm part of something that's changing the world. And it's just going to fill us with joy and fulfillment that, 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 no wonder Paul, Peter said, fill us with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And what it comes down to, we're going to sing the song, here we go, Jess. <laughs> the song's about surrender, right? Guys, God is giving us talents and abilities, and, and we serve a God who, I love it that I just got to do my best right and I can do that I can do my best I can't I can't do Bob's best Bob can't do mine but we can do our own best we can give our own best and that's all he wants but we got to surrender right we live in a world that says what I have and what I do is for me and, and it's not it's for the king and and this song is about surrender so I, I'm going to pray and we let's stand and, and let's sing the song God we love you and And God, thank you for not giving us junk, but giving us Jesus. Thank you for the perfect lamb that washes away our sin. And God, I I pray that that you download MG201.4 into our operating system. And God, that we'll practice excellence, Lord. God, that, that we will do our best for you. That we will be faithful stewards, and that we'll give our best to you. And God, that right now in this room, God, that that we will surrender all to you because you surrendered it all for us. In Jesus' name, amen.